Thanks for joining us for our podcast, Putting It Together. My name is Christina Clayton, one of the co-directors of the Northwest Mental Health Technology Transfer Center. We are part of a national network to disseminate and implement evidence-based practices for mental health into the field. We are coming to you from Seattle, Washington, and our Northwest region covers Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. However, in this virtual world, we have connected with people from all over, and we are very grateful to connect with you today. One of our goals is to provide free training and technical assistance in mental health topics. And now we are offering a podcast because we were told there weren't many podcasts out these days. Just kidding. But truly, we hope you hear some useful information and or inspiration that helps you put it together when working in this challenging and amazing field we call mental health. You can find out more about us, including our live event calendar, free online courses, resource library, and newsletter sign up by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. I'm very grateful to have our guests today that work with the Tenant Law Center that serves King County in the state of Washington. We have a webinar with them as well today that you can listen to later and watch. But why we bring this up and why we're having these guests on the podcast and on the webinar is related to housing. Those dealing with behavioral health problems we know face a number of challenges, but housing, housing security, all of those things shouldn't be an additional challenge. Tenants have rights, including those with health issues, and such rights can help keep someone housed or make them more comfortable in their homes. We're very grateful to have this group of attorneys talk with us about tenant rights related to behavioral health issues, They will be covering a number of things in the webinar, but we'll touch on in our conversation, Americans with Disabilities Act, Washington Law Against Discrimination, Reasonable Accommodations, and Modifications, and talk with providers about the process of helping people they serve make these requests. I will say that this has always been a topic in behavioral health and the interface of housing and having fair practices from who accepts a voucher to who are held to what standards to intervening in situations and having rights that maybe folks don't even realize are for everyone and having someone in their corner. And I'm so impressed with this group of attorneys and I'll introduce them here in just a moment, but let me tell you a little bit about them. Elizabeth Powell is a staff attorney and has been actively practicing law since she was admitted to the Washington Bar in 2000. She volunteered for the King County Housing Project for years and took the knowledge she gained representing tenants facing evictions into her private practice, where she litigated well over a thousand cases in the last 23 years. She has presented at many institutes geared towards landlord-tenant litigation and has assisted with litigation and or settlement of housing cases all over the state. She has handled grievance hearings with numerous housing authorities and litigated matters involving all sorts of landlord-tenant law, ADA, service animals, and reasonable accommodation. Casey Burton is a senior staff attorney at the Tenant Law Center, which provides eviction prevention and tenant advocacy services to King County. Casey has spent several years practicing landlord-tenant law as both a right-to-counsel attorney for tenants facing eviction and providing eviction prevention assistance, which has allowed her to pursue her passion for housing justice. 
Casey attended the University of Washington for both her bachelor's in political science with a minor in law studies and justice and her Juris Doctorate. She is also currently working on her master's in public administration at the University of Colorado, Denver, and hopes to use this degree to facilitate her engagement in policy change that provides Washington citizens who are tenants or unhoused with the protections they deserve. And lastly, Andra Kranzler, who is the directing attorney with the Tenant Law Center. Prior to this role, Andra practiced employment and labor law, focusing on race and gender equity in employment. She served as a legislative assistant for the City of Seattle Council member Lisa Herbold and staffed the City of Seattle's source of income discrimination, move-in fees, and fair chance housing legislation. Andra earned her JD from Seattle University School of Law and has a BA in Urban and Regional Planning from Eastern Washington University. She currently serves as the president for the Purpose, Dignity, and Action, and currently serves as a member at large for the Lauren Miller Bar Association. Prior to attending law school, Andra was an advocate for people living unhoused. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I know that you are doing a webinar for us titled Behavioral Health and Tenants' Rights. And I'm very, very grateful. I remember we uh, met at least a couple of us on the conference to, you know, on ending homelessness, um, low-income housing alliance, and, you know, working on that speaker lineup. And just was so grateful that you were there to say, hey, we would love to share our information with the, the larger workforce. So I just want to start, and I know we have three of you here, so I'll just go around and ask each of you, how did you get into supporting tenants' rights in your career? I'm going to start with Andra. Thank you so much for inviting us. My name is Andra Kranzler. I'm the directing attorney here at the Tenant Law Center. I have always cared about housing. I had volunteered for Habitat for Humanity when I was in high school, and I obtained my urban and regional planning degree from Eastern Washington University with an emphasis on housing and community economic development. And I had a lot of questions, but mainly the question was what type of society allows for homelessness. And I uh, became a landlord and then a case manager. And then I decided that it didn't matter if you made the best choices or the worst choices. If you somehow ended up homeless, your challenges were insurmountable and you really needed somebody that could be a cheerleader and know the law. And so I went to law school with the idea that I would be a case manager that had enhanced resources in a law degree. <laughs> That's not actually how it worked. I would end up spending the last decade focused on unemployment and labor law and then uh had an opportunity to join the Tenant Law Center two years ago. And our work is about supporting case managers and helping people stay housed and uh, enforcing the Residential Landlord Tenant Act. Thank you. And Elizabeth. Thank you. I've been practicing law for about 23 years now. And when I first got started, there wasn't really a way to transition from law school, passing the bar, and then starting practice. So one really good way to do that was to volunteer and so way back when, that was the Housing Justice Project in King County. So I did that for a couple of years. And every so often, I'd pick up a case and run with it. And I mostly practiced in Pierce County. So a couple of years later, I went to Tacoma Pro Bono and unit said, we should do this. And the court and Tacoma Pro Bono put together a, a parallel program use the same pleadings, the same stuff to bring that offering to Pierce County in a way that it simply hadn't been available before. And so, of course, as we moved into the year of our plague, that got changed up and now it's right to council and it's a lot more efficient. 
but there's still so much work to be done to keep people out of eviction proceedings in the first place. And a lot of that turns on the various people working with tenants, understanding what tenants can and cannot be required to do. So for whatever reason, this has been the focus of my practice for years. It's the most gratifying thing that I do is to try and make sure that people stay housed. Thank you so much. How about you, Casey? Well, geez, Elizabeth is a bit of a tough act to follow. (laughs) I ended up focusing on housing law almost sort of by accident. I knew when I went to law school that I wanted to do nonprofit work. Um, But I bounced around in private practice a little bit, but I had this opportunity to join Tacoma Pro Bono and I jumped at it. And my very first day was April 1 of 2020, which was very weird. (laughs) But on the bright side of things, we were still helping folks, but I also had the opportunity to really just go whole hog and absolutely delve into every single aspect of it. And that's kind of who I am as a person. I'm all in. And It's just, it's a passion of mine. This is so important. People have to have a roof over their head and housing is a human right. I will die on that hill. (laughs) Uh, And I can't imagine myself doing anything else at this point. Well, thank you so much. It's, you know, I think people that go into law in all sorts of arenas that touch the human services world is, you know, it's just always inspiring, whether it's benefits or rights or, you know, housing and tenants rights and all of that. It's it's really inspiring. So I thank you for dedicating your career to this question. You know, our topic revolves around behavioral health and tenants rights. And I know you know, we don't have a lot of time and people can watch the webinar if they want to know more details, but what is one thing that you would really like folks in the behavioral health workforce to know about how they can best support people who are facing behavioral health challenges and navigating rights and maybe just anyone out there who are, who are struggling, you know, it could be any of us and is many of us. Um, So what's a takeaway that you would share that, you know, please keep this in mind, or this is what you have to remember and share and and focus on. You have these rights or, and and it's very complex because I know people are taken advantage of in general, and then on top of when their behavioral health issues. So um, how about we start with you, Casey, because you had to go last (laughs) time (laughs) and just ask, you know, what strikes you most about this particular aspect of the work? It's really tough to pick one thing. I would say you have more rights than you think. Stay put until you know what your rights are. And if it isn't in writing, then it doesn't count. (laughs) And so if you do a phone call or verbal conversation with your landlord, send them an email afterwards. This is my spiel that I give all the clients. They're very patient with me. (laughs) But send an email afterwards saying, this is my understanding of the conversation. We agreed to X. You said Y. And that way you are documenting what happened, even if it was a verbal conversation. And that way you have some sort of evidence that you can lean on later on if you need to. It's about covering your bum sometimes. How about you, Andra? I think I had my first touchstones with uh, granting reasonable accommodations and modifications. When I was a landlord, um, I managed three different buildings. One building was what we would now call permanent supportive housing. So every person in the in the property had an unknown mental health or behavioral health issue and and was working with services and connected to services. And so often all the effort rooted in saving people's housing was uh, helping people exercise their rights under reasonable accommodation. I would spend a summer in West Tennessee helping <laughs> folks get reasonable accommodations 
um, and working with community housing development organizations to develop universal units so that folks of all abilities can cohabitate or, or live safely. So what I would say is that everyone has a right to enjoy their unit and that every landlord is responsible for uh, working with tenants to help them come up with accommodations or modifications and advocates are really great uh, resources because they can help document, they can send the, they can help, you know, with some of the logistical tasks. And so what I found to be most powerful in my advocacy as a case manager is when I use that time with my client to do the most difficult thing. And so that was rooted in a lot of accommodation when I reflect back. So I would just say as an advocate, you know, help someone take that next little step. It can mean the world and everybody needs somebody. So when your client has you in that advocate role, they have somebody and that can also help get the landlords to do better or to comply with the law. Great. Thank you. Elizabeth. I feel really lucky at TLC because we have the caseworkers from Catholic Community Services that are available to assist and they can get much more down into the weeds with a tenant who's having trouble. And it gives that tenant additional backup and ability to get correct information and move forward. So I I really feel like being able to explain to people who are frontline behavioral social workers, how do you actually do this? I am so happy to be able to do that because every single time I do this, I can see the light bulb go on and the social worker go, oh, I get it. And then that social worker is empowered to advocate on behalf of the tenant. And so the other thing that I think social workers understand this, but they may not be able to articulate it, is the concept of quiet enjoyment. And that's the idea that you pay rent, you live in a place, and you get to quietly enjoy your apartment. And that's probably not literally quietly, but figuratively. And so the idea being, you don't have a manager pounding on the door every 20 minutes. You don't have, you know, other people being upset. And that in exchange for that, the the bargain is that you quietly enjoy where you live. And so once people get that and also understand that that's a reason for a tenant to say, this is not working for me, and that a lease is not written in blood, if the landlord isn't following it correctly, the tenant can leave. It's not the perfect alternative. Nobody wants to move, but it can be done. So I'm just really glad to have an extra set of eyes and ears on the problem. Yeah, no, it's very important. And we can't all go to law school like yourselves and know all these things. And so it's really helpful to, to partner. It's, it's enough uh, work to do and it's really wonderful to share with you in it. So thank you so much for being here. I look forward to our webinar with you and people can watch that as well, but thank you so much for what you do. And um, yeah, thank you so much. You can find resources related to the episode in our show notes. So be sure to check those out. Learn more about us by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. You can also follow us on social media at NWMHTTC. This broadcast is brought to you by the Northwest MHTTC, which is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA. However, the content does not necessarily reflect the views of SAMHSA. Thank you so much for listening. 
We look forward to connecting with you again so we can keep putting it together. Take care. <music>